0: Nowhere to run ain't no, got no, I can't even speak that way, ain't got nowhere to go. In that phrase from Bruce uh, Springsteen's 1980s hit, Born in the USA, uh, have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt there's just no way to run? or nowhere to run, uh, ain't nowhere to go, and you just feel, in a sense, uh, stuck, or you feel trapped, or, you know, we even sang a song just recently about having our chains broken, but sometimes we still have our chains broken, maybe we say spiritually, but emotionally, inside our hearts, it seems to still, we still seem to be trapped, we still to be uh, are held on to something. And if we're quite honest with ourselves, uh, most of us have times, whether we're uh, checking faith out for the first time, uh, unconvinced, or whether we're convinced. There are moments in life that sometimes last longer than moments where we feel uh, trapped and chained and just, and just stuck. And uh, this series is going to be about how to navigate those waters as we look at the life in times of uh, Daniel. Now, on one Thanksgiving uh, a number of years ago, being stuffed with stuffing. uh, We decided to get out of the house. My father uh, wanted to go and show us uh, the place he was teaching at at the time. He had retired from being a school teacher at a public school for, I don't know, 30 years, and now was teaching at Gordon College. He was teaching German and Russian, and uh, I have no language ability, so that's great how that got skipped a generation or something, but so so he was teaching over there, and uh, he wanted to show us the new chapel that they were building. So uh, Jeff and I, uh, we, uh, we piled into the car, and uh, this, is a, this is a picture of the, the chapel from the air. This, was, this is after it's been completed, but it was basically just about done. And uh, so we get over there, and Dad's talking about it, and you know, how all the money was raised for it, and we're kind of walking around it, and uh, we, we go up to one of the doors, and we pull on it, and it's open. Just because a door is opened doesn't mean you should go through it. Sometimes in spiritual circles and church will go, if the door's open, go through it. Well, in this case, uh, you know, there should have been danger, Will Robinson. So so we go into the, the main floor and uh, they were still doing trim work, they were still doing painting and things like that. So we kind of looked around and we're like wow, 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 and all that kind of stuff, and so we, we get inside, and, and as we get inside, we decide that uh, let, let's go up into the balcony, and let's go a little farther, and we're kind of poking around, and again, this is Thanksgiving break, so there's nobody around. I don't know where security was, but, but they weren't around, and, and we make our way up to the balcony and into the back, and uh, you can see these, these little rooms there. That, that's the chapel, the dean of the chapel's office. And so, so we're poking around, and things aren't finished yet, and, and uh, we decide to go into the dean of the chapel's office. And uh, th- this is the way it looks finished. It did not look like there was no furniture, obviously, in there. So we're, we're in there, and we're kind of joking around. Yo, we're in the dean of the chapel's office. You know, my dad's not really you know, that funny, but, but you know, Jeff and I were in our 20s. And uh, so we're in there. And, and then it happened. My brother let the door The locked door, shut, and all of a sudden, we realized we were trapped in a place that we shouldn't be. This is the dark days before iPhones, so we couldn't call anyone. You see that window? That window doesn't open. We talked about breaking the window uh, to get out, but there was nobody outside to scream to, and we are stuck in there. Now, I, my, my dad's pretty calm, and you can't tell him this story when he comes Mother's Day weekend. He and my mom are coming out. But, but they, my dad is, is now extremely agitated extremely agitated because this this is a in a sense a shameful embarrassing thing you know we shouldn't have been in there we shouldn't have been in the office now we're locked in this office with no way my my family uh on my you know where we had been at thanksgiving they didn't know we ended up here nobody knew where we were we're stuck in this office and there's it's it's thursday afternoon and no one is around and then, and then the height of my dad's anxiety and irritation and, and all, again, it was Jeff's fault, but, uh, you know, it just continues to rise because he's got to pee. And uh, now, now it's even getting worse. Now, now there, there's an there's a old used mud bucket, you know, for drywall there. I go, Dad, this, there you're all set. He didn't think that was funny. So, so here you are, the three of us in this room, and, and there's nothing in there. We're kind of like standing around, you know, we're locked in there. And uh, my, my, my dad is now, he, he's losing it, you know. He, he's like really ripped at us. And... Um, you know, so again, because we're, we're, we're trapped in a place we should never have been. We shouldn't have gone there. We're stuck, and nobody knows where we are, and, and we're, we're just stuck. Well, you're going to have to wait till next week to find out what happened. Oh. Yes. By the way, we did get out, so you don't lose sleep over the next week. I mean, here I am, so we did get out. But, but, but the idea here is that, you know, you and I can find ourselves getting trapped, Sometimes we're physically trapped, our location's trapped. Sometimes we're emotionally trapped, uh, situationally trapped. And, and again, this, this applies not to the person just looking to figure out if faith even has anything to say to their life, but it also includes those of us who have, in a sense, been in faith world, church world, for years and years and years. There's, there's times of life where, where we feel trapped, and there's actually times of life where, where we are trapped, and, and we're stuck, and, and, we, and we, we can't, we just, we just, in a sense, can't get out. And so, you know, as we look at Daniel and we think about born in the USA, there's this idea that, um, you know, th- this, is, this is kind of what's going on with the song. I don't know if you've ever uh, listened to the song, looked at the lyrics. The Born in the USA is not a positive song. It's, It's ironic that at a lot of political events you hear it playing in the background, but if you actually look at those songs, it's a song about a young man that's sent to Vietnam, has not a good time there, gets back, can't find a job, and he feels trapped. And the song is I'm Born in the USA and I'm Trapped. Most of us look at being born in the USA as being a blessing, but there are components, uh, sometimes the, the navigation of our world and those kinds of things that can make us, make us feel trapped. There can be expectations upon us. Uh, there can be just ways of functioning that we're kind of trapped in this system. And so this idea of being born in the USA, being trapped, we, we can relate to that, and, and that's where, where Daniel finds himself. You know, you and I can find ourselves trapped financially. We can find ourselves trapped in a dead-end job. We can find ourselves trapped without a job. We can find ourselves trapped relationally. Uh, Sometimes we're trapped by our kids. Sometimes we're trapped by our parents. Sometimes when we're growing up, we feel trapped by our family. We say, why couldn't I have been born in a different family? We feel trapped. Uh, sometimes it's a bad business deal. Uh, sometimes it's, a, it's an investment. It's, it's college debt. Whatever it may be, we, we, we have these moments in time that sometimes last for, for a long time where, where we feel trapped. Sometimes it's, a, it's not even the, the benefit or that it's a good job or a bad job. Maybe it's just a toxic work environment. We like the pay. We like what we do. But the relations are just toxic. Maybe it's a toxic marriage. And and we just we 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 feel trapped in that. You see, there's lots of places. Maybe it's a a habit. Maybe it's a bad habit. And we just feel stuck. We we feel nowhere to run, ain't got nowhere to go. We're just stuck. And Daniel is an example of of a young man probably ages 12 to 15, that finds himself stuck in Babylon, modern-day Iraq, trapped there. And what's amazing about Daniel, we're going to see this in a few minutes, he he doesn't just survive, he thrives. He he doesn't get pushed to compromise, well, he does get pushed to compromise, and somehow he's able to navigate those waters. And Daniel would live a life of being trapped in a place he really didn't want to be. But somehow he adapts, makes the best of it, and it's one of the most powerful stories in the Older Testament of a a character who lived and really was able to be stuck but it didn't, in a sense, uh, define him. Now it's interesting, this whole whole thing in motion, uh, 25% of the Israelite population of Judea, that southern kingdom. When Babylon came in, they, they, they took the top 25% and brought them into captivity. So Daniel was a part of that. But this whole falling of the kingdom had been, had been communicated time and time again by the prophets. They had said, hey, if you don't align your heart with God, this is what's going to happen. If you continue to play games with God, this is what's going to happen. We read in um, Isaiah. We read, "You are doomed. You call evil good and call good evil. You turn darkness into light, and into dark. And you turn darkness into light and light into darkness. You make what is bitter sweet, what is bitter sweet, and what is sweet you make bitter." And it's just this whole idea, the way you're looking at the world, and, and, and woe to you, doom to you, trouble is coming. And it's just in one obscure little verse. It's over and over and over again. And what's amazing is Daniel's entrapment, I think I'm going to be using a word that isn't a word, but trappedness. <laughs> his trappedness isn't his fault. It's the generation Before him's fault, he's a 12-year-old, 15-year-old boy with a bunch of 12- and 15-year-old boys and girls that were living a good life. He was in the upper class that get get stolen and get marched off to to Babylon. Yet, again, Daniel somehow is able to adapt while being trapped, and, and he continues to keep his integrity he continues to stay aligned with God, even with all these pressures on him. And, you know, I'd be remiss to say this, and this isn't to be political or anything, but uh, we're, we're kind of doing the same thing on one level as, as a country ourselves, born in the U.S. The debt that we're going to pass on to our children and our grandchildren will eventually really entrap them. The, the lifestyles we point to and kind of say it's no big deal... Uh, The things we see in the news, it's it's starting to, and I'm not a prophet of doom and gloom because I look at Daniel and go, Daniel was in the worst of times. Daniel's situation makes our situation look like a bedtime story. It's hugely different. But somehow Daniel is able not just to survive, but he thrives. I think Daniel realized this and understood this psalm where it says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Now that "save" doesn't mean they yank them out of that difficult time because Daniel doesn't get yanked out. He lives his whole life, whole life in Babylon. What does save mean? It means he saves the crushed spirit. So if the crushed spirit is internal inside, it means that you and I can find us in these situations that are trapping us, that are just stuck in, that never, never can't alleviate, sometimes it's health things, whatever it may be, we can find ourselves in those situations, and it can break our heart, it can break our spirit, but it says that when we're brokenhearted, if we have an eye towards God, he, he comes close, And he saves, in a sense, what's going on eternal, internally. And some of us have experienced that. Some of us have seen it from a distance. We've watched another person whose whose life is just horrendous. They're they're trapped. And sometimes it's by their own doing. Sometimes it isn't. Whatever it is, they're trapped. And and they've drawn near to God because God's been near to them. And their spirit still isn't crushed. Then there's some of us who have experienced it ourselves. We have just a little bump in the road, and our spirit is crushed. You see, somehow Daniel at twelve to fifteen years old, knew that secret, which really wasn't a secret, lived that out and is able to go into this hostile country and navigate it and uh, and 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 function well in it. You see, he just really understands that closeness. Uh, in verse 8 of Daniel 1, and we read this in the King James verse. but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. He would not, he he knew his life was sacred. He would not let his his entrapment, he would not let his entrapment, in a sense, define him. Sometimes even those of us who uh, claim to know Christ and do know Christ and, and walk with him, let our entrapments, our trappedness, define us too much. It's not that we can, we pretend that it's not existing, whatever that may be. But it it shouldn't necessarily define us. And and Daniel doesn't. Daniel engages the society he lives in. So if you'd like to turn over to Daniel chapter 1, verse 1, you'll find that on the, the Bible. You'll find in the seats. That's page 6113. If if you want a Bible, paper Bible, and you don't have a copy, please feel free to take that as a gift from Seneca Community Church. Uh, we also like uh, the U, the Bible um, U version, which is online. If you have a smart device, you can download it. it's a free app uh, on any device, and you can have the Bible, many translations, anywhere you go. And, and I, I think that's that's fantastic. So Daniel chapter one, verse one, page six thirteen, in that Bible you'll find around you it says this. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, that's the southern kingdom, Israel, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Besieged it. That sounds to me like trapped it. God, everybody in Jerusalem is now stuck. They, 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 they they, They cannot get out from under that. We read on, and it says, "And the Lord delivered Jehochem of Judah into his hands, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. Then he carried off the, temp, off the temple off to, off to the temple of his God in Babylon and put in the treasure house of his God." It's interesting that all of a sudden we see this weird thing that that God actually uses. Nebuchadnezzar to do his work. Sometimes God in our lives uses people that aren't people of faith, that don't know Jesus, to do something within us. God's not afraid of doing that. And we could look all through, story after story, account after account, and we'd see that somebody stepped into somebody else's life on a large scale or a small scale. They're not following God, and yet God's using that person. I I can think of a few people in my life that uh, had no interest in spiritual things, Uh, maybe even some of them mocked spiritual things, and yet God used them to rock my world a little bit, or sometimes a lot, to do something inside of me. So, so that, you know, we can see this. This is not out of the, the character of the way God works in our lives as individuals, and in our lives as a church, and in our lives as a people. Then the king ordered as something, you know, that's a fashion, we'll call him ash, The the king ordered Ash, chief of his, that's what his friends called him, his court officials, (laughs) to bring into into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, qualified to serve in the king's palace. Interesting. Interesting that culture lifted up the idea of appearance, lifted up the idea of athletic ability, um, academic aptitude, uh, very similar to ours, very similar to the world that we live in. And sometimes you and I get trapped by that value. There's nothing wrong with those things, but the total value or complete value of a person is not built on those things. Said another way, you know, in our world and in that day, it was all about sex, salary, and status. And if you had those three things that working for you, you were in. So as Nebuchadnezzar sets this program up, he says, "Look for those that are the cream of the crop, the top ones, and bring them because uh, we're going to do some things with them. We're going to indoctrinate them. We're going to we're going to." Purge them of all their heritage. We're going to purge them of their culture. And we're going to make them people, men of Babylon. And so he does. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years. And after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among those... Chosen were some from Judea, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. The chief official gave them new names, Daniel, Belshazzar, to Hannah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azrael, Abednego. You see, they're, they're, they're changing everything. These guys are trapped. They can't escape. And as we look at the life, as we're going to spend really up through the summer looking at the life of Daniel, we're going to see there there was really no way of escape. He had to either, he had to deal with the fact of where he was, the place he was. He would have to learn to adapt without compromising, but he would have to adapt. And it's interesting that Daniel really is a model for every age and stage of life. 12 to 15, all the way to, we're guessing, 85. All along, Daniel shows us how to walk the messy road. We're not going to get into it today, this morning, but uh, it's interesting. He, he, as some of you know the story, he, he won't eat the food along with his friends, but he doesn't make a big stink about his name being changed. See, he, he navigates. Was that a compromise? I, I don't think it was. But somehow he knew the name change wasn't a, 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 a fight to have. The food was. The food was. And we'll, we'll talk about maybe why that was later on. But it's just interesting. Again, he, he, he doesn't, he's just not in a holy huddle. He just doesn't break down and say, I'm not engaging in this, I'm, gonna do, I'm just going I'm, I'm to stick to myself and try to be unnoticed and all of these kinds of things. Because those of you who know the story know Daniel keeps throughout his life getting promoted and increasing his influence. It happens at least five times. He's given an opportunity, he engages his world, he doesn't pull back from his world. It breaks my heart when I see strong Christ followers that have something to offer to their community, and they pull back. Now, I, I pick on my dad a little bit. I, I like the fact that he stayed in the public school system for 30 years. He could have gone down and done something else. My dad speaks five languages. At the Times Sylvania in the Boston area was always tapping him to do language things. He could have probably doubled or tripled his salary and gone and worked for Sylvania. He would never say that. But he wanted to engage the community. He wanted to make a difference. He wouldn't have said it that way. Daniel engages. He doesn't withdraw. He, He functions in the messiness. He takes the name of the Babylonian God. But he won't eat their food. Somehow he knows. Somehow he knows. Daniel served and outlasted three unbelieving kings. He stuck with it. He was was sharp enough, engaged enough, had enough integrity that they kept him along. Sometimes when a new king comes into power, they they take out all the, the people that were loyal to the previous king. Somehow Daniel had much to offer. Daniel had something to value. Daniel led two of the kings, and we'll talk about this later, to faith. Two of the three kings have a faith in God because Daniel was there. If Daniel had not been there, yes, God can do his thing, but God definitely used Daniel. Sometimes, again, when we pull back, if Daniel had pulled back, maybe those two kings wouldn't have had those interactions. I I don't know. And as I said already, Daniel at 85 was second only to the king in power and influence. At 85, he gets yanked out of retirement he has something to offer i hope i have something to offer when i'm 55 (laughs) but 85 he has something to offer And, and it's well known so daniel again any age any season of life he lived it he he is trapped on one hand But on another hand, he's freed to follow God and to impact the world that he has. I think that lesson is for us today too. You may say, well, I don't have the capacity of Daniel. Well, neither do I. But in your capacity, the way God's mired you, we talked about that a few weeks ago, be incredible. The way God's made you, you have something to offer. It's just not for the, the Ivy School person, educated you know, stock picture person. You know that looks beautiful at every turn, and you know athletic and has great aptitude. Can pronounce every single word. You know, it, it, it's not just for for those people. It's it's for all of us. And Daniel again lives in that world and makes an impact. Now, when we're when we're thinking about. Our trappedness, when we're thinking about being entrapped, when we think about being stuck, when we think about being born in the USA, again, if you follow the storyline, when you think about those things, there's at least five, and there might be six, but there's at least five potential sources which can create trapped feelings. You see, these, we, can, we can feel it, it can be reality, we can be perceiving it. It's interesting, you know, sometimes our perception is, is 20%, and it actually, we let it play out at like 80%. This is the reason where it is a piece, but not that big of a piece. But all these things, we feel trapped, and we feel trapped inside. Uh, whether we're trapped outside or not, we just feel this feeling, and, and it, can, it can just, again, overwhelm us. And Daniel doesn't seem to have a, a pity party. Remember, Daniel was 12. or could you, Can you just imagine being 12 or 15 years old, having, being born with a silver spoon in your mouth, you know, nobility and all that kind of stuff, Watching your parents be killed—probably happened. Other family members being ripped out, seeing your city destroyed, being dragged off, marched off to another place, different language, different everything—and and and, and 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 not not collapsing. He he, he doesn't do that. He, he engages. He doesn't let he doesn't let the fact that he really is trapped again define who he's going to be, how he's going to function. But for us, you know, some of our our legitimate feelings of of being trapped and maybe not as uh, worthy uh, can be based on, obviously, the actions of others. And Daniel is an example of this. You know, it was a generation or two that had been warned, if you act this way, if you do these things, uh, you know, doom is coming. And and they they didn't care. They, they, They just ignored it. And sometimes you and I have the actions of others. Others, uh, we live in the ripple effect of other people's lives. You know, that, that, that idea that my life doesn't affect somebody else's life is a bunch of rubbish. Your life, even the little things affect somebody else's. Your little rhythms, your little, your little habits, they do have an effect on somebody else's life. And they, they affect them. And that's not to make you feel bad. It's to go, wow, I can have an effect on somebody else's life. I can have an effect on somebody else's life. So I need to think about that. But as we look at our lives, there are some of us, all of us actually, walk with a limp in specific areas because somebody did something, just did something, or somebody did something to us. And so that can be one of those forces or those those feelings of of being trapped. Also, there's just the pull of the world. Uh, we live in a world where you know, we may get caught up with the idea that, uh, you know, the, that we need approval by the world. We need to be reinforced that, that what, what the world values, we value. Are. So, so we're in this situation that if, if we don't live in that kind of rhythm of life, we're ridiculed. Uh, we, we want their approval. We want to feel like we fit in. And I'm sure Daniel felt that all the time, from day one to the end. He always had this this little low-grade pull fever that said, fit in, do it this way. And yet somehow he's able to know when to be okay with that and when not to be okay with that. 1 John, one of uh, Jesus' closest friends, uh, John, writes this. Practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important, has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from him. The world and all its wanting, wanting, wanting is on the way out. We need to remember that. Again, what does Daniel do? Does he holy huddle? kind of high. No, he engages his world. So that's not a verse that says don't engage your world. It's understand your world. Understand the pull of those ideas of being self-centered, of it being all about me, of it being flexing my ability, my power to get what I want. And if I put others down, that, that's okay, because it's about me. So the pull of the world is one of those things that, that can trap us And we've all had situations in our own life where we've been trapped by the approval of somebody else, the expectations of somebody else. Then there's also the condition of our heart. Uh, Maybe if we're going to order these in, in, in significance, that's probably where we need to start. The condition of my heart. I don't need any other sources to feel trapped. I trap myself. I go to places where I'm not supposed to go. I go through doors that seem to be unlocked, and then I get in there, and I'm stuck. Nobody, in a sense, pushed me. Nobody put that idea in my, thought, in my mind. I, no one had to train me how to be self-centered. No one probably had to train you either. And so the condition of my heart, it's not to, that's not to go, woe is me. It's to be go, wow, I, I need to be aware of that. I need to be aware of that. Paul writes this when he says... He says, I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. You ever been there? Good intentions. I decide not to be bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in action. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. There's a trapped person. There's a person who understands the condition of his heart. And uh, we've been there. We've been born in the USA with nowhere to go. We can't get out of it, the condition of our heart. I like what Erwin McManus says. I was listening to one of his books when I was swimming laps. I do this uh, audible thing, and I have these waterproof headphones. It's really nice. And So I was listening to this guy and trying to use my time wisely, and uh, this is what he says. An overwhelming number of us feel trapped in the lives we've created. The irony is that we are the cruel tyrants who hold ourselves captive, trapped, and the tragedy of our imprisonment reaches into the deepest caverns of our soul. Our passion, is to, be both, is to, be, our passion to be free both ignites us and betrays us, and more often than that, not leads us to be consumed by an unforgiving fire. And, uh, you know, it's ourselves. Enough of that. Aren't you happy you came today for the first service? All right, first one on the series. The enemy of the soul. Now, depending on where you're at in your spiritual walk, you may uh, think that there's just this evil force out there. You you may just see evil in the world, but uh, I come from the persuasion there is actually a real, live, fallen angel called Lucifer, called the devil, called Satan, whatever you want to call him, And he is the enemy of our souls. And uh, he is with his other fallen angel buddies. He's out there trying 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 to wreck things in our souls. He's trying to set things in motion so we live nominal, trapped lives. Even if those of us who have said yes to Christ, if he can convince us to live a trapped life, and a holy huddle life, and just to ourselves, you know, he feels like he's winning, so he's out there. And I feel that that's, that sets some of these traps in motion. Paul writes, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And when I see some of the things on the news... I don't think that's just the wickedness of a human heart. I think there's a lot more going on that we just don't see, and that's not to scare you, but it's just to say this is one of the source potential source areas for our feeling trapped and and being trapped. Now, this one's probably going to surprise you, but also there's the faithfulness of our Father. Woo! What you mean, our heavenly Father? You see. There are times where God allows, initiates moments where we're trapped. You've got to believe that God saw Daniel's situation coming. I'm imagining that Daniel's upbringing from 0 to 12 or 15 was pretty solid. Some good things had been deposited in his heart and his soul. And we're ready there when the deposits needed to be withdrawn. And that was the faith of the Father. Also, also his life, Daniel, now speaks to our life. So God was a part of this process. I want to say God doesn't tempt us, but God does test us. And you can see story after story after story where that takes place. So some of the source of our so-called traps is because the Father has, has put us in certain places, has given us certain bodies, have given us certain abilities and certain limitations, and all those kinds of things. You know, um, Paul speaks about the thorn in the flesh. God allows that. It's, it's trapped him to some degree. But something special happens in his life because of those kinds of situations. Just like you, you can think of some of the times where you now in hindsight could see God's fingerprints on a hard time in your life. He wasn't just sustaining you, but it almost looks like he got you to that place. And you realize he was doing something in me. So some of the sources of our entrapment comes from, I'm gonna say, God's hands. It's discipline. At, that, at, the time, at the time, discipline isn't much fun. It always feels like it's going against the grain. Later, of course, it pays off handsomely, for it's the well-trained who find themselves mature in their relationship with God. And when we think about the faithfulness of Father, we think of, many of us are familiar with 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that says, no temptation has overtaken you. No no entrapment has overtaken you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be trapped beyond what you can bear. Obviously, Daniel, with God's help, was able to bear his entrapment. He was able to navigate it, and he just didn't survive. He thrived and so God's a part of that. But when you are tempted, when you are trapped, he also provides a way out so that you can endure it. Wait a minute. Way out means I don't have to endure it anymore. No, there's there's something else going on there. There's this idea a way out within your soul, within your heart because sometimes you have to endure it. Some of us if I'm, if I'm hopefully I'm honest with you, if I'm completely honest with you, you are trapped and you're going to have to endure it. Maybe not as Hard as Daniel, we hear the good stories, but we don't have the the weeks and the years in between them. You have to endure it, and God is a part of that process. Came across this somewhere, and I just liked it. It said, "Trapped inside every seed is a tree. Trapped inside every seed is a tree. Think on that for a little bit. That's growth. These entrapments are an opportunity." For the seed in you to grow and to to blossom, it's good that a seed is a tree is inside that seed. I'm not a botanist kind of person. That's the right term. I hope uh, you know. So I don't know how all this works. Uh, I have to talk to Danny with seeds and things like that. But I don't know about that. But but I understand the concept. Trapped inside the seed is a tree. And so when you and I are trapped, we want to be like. Daniel, who, who bloomed where he was, he was planted, who grew where he was planted. It's interesting. Jeremiah, again, speaks to this whole idea of what's coming down the pike for Jerusalem. There was no secret. And this is, this is what he says. He says this, make yourself at home there, this is in Babylon, and work for the country's welfare, Pray for the Babylon's well-being. If things go well for Babylon, things will go well for you. For those of us who know some of the story, we realize that uh, they are in the Israelites are in Babylon for about 70 years, and then they come back and start setting things up in motion for other things. But but they're there for 70 years, And, and Jeremiah says, when you're there, engage, live, do what you can do, make a difference. And and as things go well, you know, things will go well for you. Leverage that. Don't live selfishly. And sometimes when I read this verse, read those concepts, I think of my life as in a, being born in the USA, have so many resources, so many opportunities, so that I want to live well in that society, not just for myself, but I want to live well in that society so I can leverage it to touch other people's lives. Because the resources I have, the resources you have, it's far superior than many of the resources in the majority world, the majority world. We don't live in the majority world. This is like this unbelievable bubble we live in, even though it can be tough at times. And so we need to live well in our society, engage it, hope it goes well. Sometimes when I pray about political things, when I pray about um, social things, and all those kinds of things. Yeah, I'm praying for the, for the people, but I'm also not just praying so that my taxes are less so I have more money to spend on myself. I'm praying that my taxes are less so I can be more generous with my life. Totally backwards, the other way. And, and that's what I think Jeremiah is saying. And Daniel goes ahead and does that. Three suggestions. We're only going to hit one briefly for when you feel trapped Three suggestions. Uh, the first one is don't be surprised. It's going to happen all the time. So, so, so don't be surprised about that when, when you're trapped. Again, uh, three suggestions for when you're trapped. You don't need to be uh, you know, taken off guard. You shouldn't be surprised. Uh, we have two passages, uh, one that Peter writes. I'm going to talk about the one that uh, John, uh, John says that Jesus says. Jesus said this, and I combined a couple of verses. You have, even have the DFS version in there. Um, in this world, you will be plagued with times of trouble. I've told you all this so that by trusting me, you'll be unshakable and assured, deeply at peace, not overcome by the feelings of entrapment. You see, a trapped life that adapts will never feel kidnapped. A trap life that adapts will never feel kidnapped. Daniel was kidnapped, but somehow he adapts. He doesn't compromise. He adapts. And as we look at Daniel, if we came into his life when he was 30 or 40 or 50, we would never, we might know the story, but it wouldn't look like he was kidnapped from another place because he was fully engaged, living a faithful life, even though he was still trapped. He couldn't leave. He was stuck there. So as you think about your life and you think about the places that you may feel trapped, some of those feelings are super legitimate. They're the reality. Some of those are just feelings. It's happening in your heart. What are you doing with those? Do you realize that God is using those situations in your life and that you don't have to be overwhelmed with your entrapment you can actually be free and still be trapped. We'll talk more about this next week and obviously throughout the summer. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, I just uh, think of all my friends here this morning, and I just uh, think about the things that are coming through our hearts right now. We're we're thinking of moments and times where we were trapped. We think of times where we're currently trapped. And we also have a little bit of fear that there might be an entrapment along in the future. And, Lord, we're thankful that uh, you care for the brokenhearted. You draw near to the brokenhearted. And Daniel is an example for us of of any age of life, how he does that. And, Lord, I just ask that you would help us to see that, and we wouldn't be overwhelmed with that. We wouldn't be so overwhelmed with that we shrink back from life rather than embracing life. Help us to live fully the life that you've given us. Help us to live fully in the entrapments that we seem to be in. We ask all of this in Jesus' name, amen.